All right, we'd like to welcome you back to uh, yet another uniquely mundane episode <laughs> of VA Radio. I'm your host, right on. Kevin Oste, joined as always by Mike, Mr. Q-Ball Clark. And, uh, and I'm feeling uniquely mundane today. <laughs> How do you manage to know exactly what I'm feeling every time? Well, I'm in tune with other people's feelings. I try to be. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you have a uh, a pre-oversold adjective lined up? I I did have one on the ready, but I'm gonna keep <laughs> it. I'll keep it stuffed in my back pocket for next time. Yeah, all right. Well, it's good. There'll be a next time, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm putting the cart before the horse here. <laughs> Lucky use guys. Right, right, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, normally uh, on on V8 Radio here, we uh, before we get the the full head of steam going, uh, and we're we're leaving the starting line, we like to uh, tease our audience and each other a little bit with uh, an automotive themed trivia question. And uh, did you prepare one this time? I did prepare one this time. And are you ready? I guess. Uh, I'm sitting, so I guess so, man. You, I guess All you right. go first. <laughs> All right, here we go. Who was the first Detroit automaker to break the magical one horsepower per cubic inch barrier? And with what engine did they do it? Oh, boy. That's a good question. Thank you. Yeah, you're Thank welcome. you very much. Yeah, that's a stall tactic. Uh <laughs> Well, I, I want to say, I know a very popular one is the 283 Chevrolet overhead valve pushrod motor, which was 283 mm-hmm. cubes in their power pack, I believe, in 1957. Got you 283 cubes, 283 horsepower with 283 cubes. Mm-hmm. But I'm sensing that there's a trick to this because that's the V8 version. And I think there might have been, maybe there was a, uh, like one of those earlier giant, four cylinders or something from a long, long time ago, like Packard put out or something or a six cylinder Hmm. that I'm not aware of. Interesting. Interesting thought. Yeah, but I can't answer what I'm not aware of. So uh, I'm just going to roll with that 283 Power Pack Chevrolet. All right. So Kevin says Chevy 283 Power Pack. Yeah, kind of take an easy way out. I'm. I'm, on, I'm. I got a cold. I got some kind of a summertime cold, uh-huh. and and uh-huh. think thinking through for me is like, it's like trying to trying to think through a, a big giant, like a like an aquarium full of jello. You know, it's yeah. just you you can kind of see the other side, but there's all this stuff <laughs> in the middle. Uh-huh. And the excuses are already pouring out, ladies and gentlemen. Well, it's going to be like this the whole show. So it's not just for, for position. It's not just for the no. trivia question. Sounds like I'm going to get a lot of airtime today. Yeah, it's all it's all you, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, okay. So that's that's my guess. Okay. Um, I also have a trivia question. Lay it on me. Uh, the General Motors Corporation uh, had been known for a particular uh, supercharger product that they made, and it was a. Uh, a device used, it was a positive displacement supercharger, and it went by a number-dash-number designation, like a 671 or a uh-huh. 471. Right. What do those numbers mean? 
Oh my goodness gracious. Yeah. That's right, a right. good question. Oh Kevin. yeah. How about that? Right back at you, pal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my gosh. What do those numbers mean? They um um mm-hmm. um they, they mean, mean um, um uh, let's see here. They, oh, good heavens. I probably knew this at one point in my life. And ironically, a, uh, a 671 supercharger would help any engine achieve far more than one horsepower per cubic inch. Yeah, indeed it would. Indeed <laughs> <Yeah>. it would. <laughs> oh, heavens to Betsy. Um, you just, you know, throw something at the wall if you're... Uh... Yeah, I'm going to say it is the... Um, no i see uh it's the ratio of ambient air versus pressured air oh that's that's what i'm saying it's a ratio so if you have six units of ambient air you would have 71 units 71 coming out yeah sure it's a pressure thing wow right on you got you got ratio in there you got ambient yeah Yeah. You you got a lot going on so right. uh, maybe somewhere in there is a correct answer, but so technically it's a fraction. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna so say it's, it's a fraction. Six yeah. six six seventy ones of something. Yeah, I know. I mean, the larger the blower, the larger that 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 numerator, if you will, uh-huh. becomes. All right. <clears throat> well, let me write this down because that was uh, right. that was a complex answer. So we're calling this the ratio. Yeah, I'm a complex man. <laughs> of uh, ambient. To uh, compressed, if you will. Yes. All right. Noted. And uh, we will see how you you. do on that one later on. Likewise. All right. Good stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Excellent stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So it's been a busy, busy, busy summer, man. It has been. Lots of shows, lots of stuff. And, uh, you, my friend, have managed to do something that a person in your position rarely gets to do, and that is you got to actually work on your own cars recently. <laughs> yeah, I have. It's, and it's still, I'm still kind of in shock that this, that this occurred. Uh-huh. Uh, and a man in my position, I, I think where you're going with that is, uh, you know, legitimate, yeah, legitimately yeah. Kelly and I are, are small business owners. Mm-hmm. And it just happens to be that we own an automotive shop, but that that old statement, you know, the plumber with the leaky pipes, right, is a true thing, because right. when you when you run a small business, you're responsible for the whole thing. So mm-hmm. every extra spare moment you have is going into the business somehow. Right. And the way we we look at it is, you know, we don't work for ourselves, and we kind of work for the customers, but but really we work for the crew. You know, we work for the staff. And what that means is that it's it's our mission to make sure when you have, we've got 18 people on staff now. So when there wow. are, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I know. I, right I, again, on. Good for you guys. I, I don't even believe that either until you count them all up. <laughs> but when you have these people that have families and they rely on you and they rely on you to create work so that they can generate a paycheck every week, um, the pressure's on, you know, so anything you can do to make sure that they've got work to do is what you do. Uh-huh. Um, sure. so it, that, that's our primary focus. And of course, 
the way the work gets done is by building cool cars for customers, and, and we appreciate that too. But what that means is between the, the long days and, uh, and travel and everything else, I don't really – it's not that I don't have time to work on my own stuff. It's that mm-hmm. I oftentimes choose not to because it's like, what's more important here right now? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Tinker with my own car in the garage or you know, make sure that the team's got plenty to do and customers are coming mm-hmm. in and all that stuff. So, sure. But um, recently – you know, I, I, and I hate to think of it this way, but somebody on Facebook posted a picture of a guy that I used to work with many years ago. Um, his name was, it was Wayne Cook. And Wayne was one of the uh, writers on Mustang and Ford's magazine uh, when he and I worked together. And, and Wayne was a heck of a guy. And he, unfortunately, he's no longer with us. Oh, that's um, too bad. It is. It's a bummer because I really miss this guy. Wayne was a great guy. Uh, and his brother, Miles Cook, um, is still out there. Miles worked at Carcraft for a long time and also some of the Ford books and, uh, you know, a lot of different magazine stuff. And Miles is also an equally great guy. But, but you know, this picture came across uh, of Wayne from a mutual friend. And I went, oh, man, I miss Wayne. And, and Wayne and I spent a bunch of time back in the old days working on my 62 Galaxy. Sweet. Wayne used the car for a couple stories in the magazines and he, he came to me one day and he's like, Hey, I, I got to do a, uh, um, or I want to do a, a disc brake upgrade story on a full size Ford, you know, from the early sixties. Cause now there's some kits available, you know, do you want to use, can we use your car to do it? And I was like, you know, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, and, and, and the funny thing is that there was always a running gag about, um, magazine stories. And that is that whenever you saw like a disc brake upgrade, chances are they only did one side, you know, (laughs) 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 you know, it's like, okay, thanks. Get it out of here now. You know, whatever. Uh, because you know, a lot of these writers weren't mechanics by day and, you know, they were writers and photographers. So when they were doing the tech stories on their own, you know, there was, you know, the work had to get done and they had deadlines and everything else. So I remember working with Wayne and we actually rebuilt the front end of this car and, and did the, uh, the disc brake swap and a few other things. And he was, him and Miles were kind of catalysts for the uh, fuel injection swap that we did on the car also way back in 99 or 2000 or whatever it was. Cool. So, you know, Wayne is, is kind of ingrained in this car and there's been a million little projects that I've wanted to do on this 62 Galaxy for many, many years that I've been putting off because, you know, it's never the right time or, or whatever. Uh, or I don't want to say I'm lazy, but it, it, you come home from a 10, 12, 14 hour day, you're tired, yeah. you know, you know, and sometimes you just don't want to be out in the garage. I, I don't think lazy is the proper adjective to use for you. <laughs> well, sometimes I kind of feel that way. Cause it's like, you know, if I could just muster it up, I could go get something else done. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the agonizing projects on this car was the power steering. And the, the, the deal was uh, these old Fords and, and many cars, including a lot of GM cars and Chrysler cars, the early power steering was um, a steering gearbox that was a sealed box with no hydraulic connections to it. And then a hydraulic ram that was uh, connected to the center link. Okay. Ah, okay. And then a little valve system. So if you can follow this, this path of motion, when you turn the steering wheel, you're going to turn the steering wheel to the right, 
your hands turn the wheel, which turns the shaft and the steering column, which turns the, the rag joint or the universal joint, which then turns the input shaft on the steering box, which turns the steering sector shaft, which turns mm-hmm. the pitman arm, which then mm-hmm. works the little valve like a joystick, which then opens a hydraulic circuit, which then forces fluid from the steering pump into hydraulic ram, which then extends the ram to help you turn the wheel. Good Lord. So that's like 50 steps. You know? Right. <laughs> and they work perfectly every time. Well, yeah, right. And, and people wonder why they felt so disconnected from the universe, you know, when mm-hmm. they were driving these cars, because there was just so much monkey motion between A to B to get it to turn. Well, finally, 12 years ago, 15 years ago, uh, some uh, individuals got kind of fed up with that, and they created a modified um, Chevrolet steering box and they modified it to fit the Ford. And this was your typical integrated power steering box. Like we're mm-hmm. more commonly used to like what's on your GTO right. where you got a pump and you got a couple of hoses that go to it. Mm-hmm. And the hydraulic pressure helps everything inside the box provide the right. assist. Well, I did that conversion. Um, in fact, we did it on VATV a long, long time ago. Uh, and, and the problem was, there was something wrong inside the box with the, with the way they made the conversion, the box just was never right. And it huh. was an individual doing it. And, and we actually took the videos down that, that, that we had. So you can't find that install anywhere. Oh, really? Cause, cause yeah, yeah, after I drove this thing, I'm like, you know what? I, I'm not comfortable, you know, promoting this conversion right. because the car wandered left to right all the time. Hmm. And you'd go around turns and it would, it, it felt like it was fighting left wheels, fighting right wheel. And, it was really kind of a mess. And I knew at some point I got to change this. But when I did that conversion, I also had to shorten the steering column. So that's been altered and, you know, make some hoses and some stuff. So I'm, I was dreading doing this job again. It was kind of a big job to undo huh. that. And I didn't really have any option. It's like, I don't want to go back to the Ram Assist. And I didn't want to go right. to a manual steering because, you know, this yeah. is a, it's a big sled. Big car. Yeah. Right. So a couple of years ago, our friends at Borgeson, who are famous for the U-joints and steering components, they came out with their version of the integrated power steering box. And um, oh, I obtained one from them. And, I, you know, I'm hoping that this was going to be better than the box that I had. And because of my time frame, I kind of put everything on the shelf. So I had the box. But then I realized, you know, to really do this right, I got to get a steering column and I got to get a steering wheel and a bunch of things to make it right. So I built up a lot of excuses for myself <laughs> to, to put it off. And I knew that, um, you know, we were starting to, the parts cost was starting to climb a little bit because uh, if I'm going to do a steering column, I'm going to do a tilt column. And, you know, so there's, you know, there's six, 700 bucks, whatever well. it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, right. Might as well. You know, how, when is it going to end? Mm-hmm. And I, I told Kelly, I'm All like, right. well, so now I got to get a steering wheel because uh, the original wheel in the Galaxy was very cool, but it's an 18-inch diameter steering wheel. Oh, that's big. It's like driving a <laughs> bus, you know? Yeah. So I thought, now I got to get a wheel, and then, you know, where does it end? And I told her, pretty soon, knowing me, I'll have the car in a million pieces in the garage, and it'll never go back together, and I'll be upset. Yeah. And she's like, well, you know, it really steers poorly. (laughs) (laughs) And it doesn't matter what the outside looks like. You know, it steers poorly. So um, getting back to my buddy Wayne, I see this thing on Facebook. And it was a beautiful day outside. And I go in the garage. 
And I look at the car and I thought, you know, if Wayne was standing here, he would say, do whatever it takes to get out and drive that damn car. You know, because you don't know how long you have on, on a morbid scale. Yeah. And, uh, you know, why are you putting this off, essentially? So I said, forget it. And I told Kelly, I said, look, I'm going to fix the car. And she's like, okay, great. You know, and, and part of me was a little apprehensive because she's working all the time also. Right. We both work all the time. And, and, you know, I'm talking to you right now, and she's doing accounting. So, oh, you boy. know, sometimes, you know, I'm not comfortable saying, well, I'm going to go screw around in the garage and you keep working. <laughs> but, you know, we both know what has to get done and we both, you know, learn to prioritize things. And we'll both enjoy this thing, this car, if it's finished, we can actually use it. This car is also right. how we met and it's a big part of the family. Yeah. And, and, you know, so why am I denying right. her the opportunity to enjoy the car? So mm-hmm. I said, forget it. I'm just going to do it. And she said, great. So I had the box. Um, I ordered up a, uh, a steering column. The first thing I had to do was to disassemble the existing steering box, uh, get it out of the car, and put the new one in so I could measure for the, uh, for the steering column length. And that's a little tricky. You know, there's some tech tips to do that because luckily the Borgeson box physically is very similar to the one that I took out, but it's a... Uh, I believe it's a Delphi box, so you can get one for your GTO. It's a it's a quick ratio, not necessarily a quick ratio. They do come in faster ratios. Mm-hmm. This one is just a uh, they call it a metric box. It's a current. Um, oh yeah, Delphi so you use current uh, current uh, hose uh, fittings and all that. You don't have to have any adapters, right? Well, yes and no, and that that's part of the deal because the box has metric <laughs> fittings on it, but my hoses that I had made before were all AN stuff. So, oh, all right, right, right. But luckily, um, the box I put on before and Borgeson sent the adapters with it, so I was good to oh, go. Perfect. Um, and it, the only difference is that the input shaft on this one is uh, a little closer to the firewall than the old one was. And I think on, on your, your GTO being a GMA body, you have a column and the shaft goes out of the column and it protrudes six or eight inches before it hits the steering box. And in my case, the design of this particular car, that steering box input is actually inside the firewall. It's right up there. Oh. On the, it's real close. So that the box is basically just past the firewall. And then these cars have a plate that you unscrew, um, a block-off plate that the column passed through originally. Well, that column pass-through plate needs to be modified because this box is closer to the driver, uh, essentially. Oh, boy. And that's why I was a little bit concerned about measuring the column out and everything. So I, I measure right. the column. I look at the – I use an I did it column, and I went to their website and downloaded the sheet and measured everything out. And so I had that length to consider, and then I had to consider also my steering wheel, the original one. Not only was it an 18-inch diameter wheel, but it's got like a six-and-a-half-inch dish. It's a real deep oh, yeah. wheel with a horn ring in the middle. Sure. Well, you can't find anything even close to that that's going to be uh, uh, you know, workable. So I like wood steering wheels. I don't like them in everything, mm-hmm. but this car to me, this early 60s car with some modified stuff on it, it's got kind of a beach cruiser feel to it. So sure. I, I grabbed a, a traditional Grant wooden steering wheel with stainless spokes, and right. uh, that's got a four-inch dish, and you know you do all the math, 
And I called, I did it, and I said, all right, this is what I'm looking at. I think it's about a 28-inch a column and, you know, whatever. And they said, yeah, well, we can make one any length you want. Uh, there's a consideration of the output. Does it have a, a double D-shaped shaft or does it have splines on it or, you know, what size is a three-quarter inch or one inch and yada, yada, yada. Oh, boy. And, yeah, and, and uh, in talking to the guy, I found out that there is an off-the-shelf I did it universal column that was a half an inch within what I needed. So it didn't end up being a custom column, which was great. Perfect. And uh, I ordered it, uh, actually got it through Summit. So it was uh, shipped the next day. <laughs> and, oh, and, and the same with the steering wheel. So over a two weekend process, the first weekend I tore everything apart. And, and then last weekend I was able to reassemble everything. Had to do a little bit of wiring. The, the column has a GM style connection for the turn signals and all that stuff okay. and of course mine's a ford and they don't they don't make an adapter but it was they send a, a really cool little flat plug that you just connect you know you, you cut your old wires and put new connectors on them and pin them out okay. in, into the connector and plug it into the column huh. and um got the whole thing back together uh actually the the Sunday before our wedding anniversary. And I was really hoping I could get this, you know, so that we could take a cruise for our anniversary yeah. kind of thing. And uh, I didn't even do a test drive, you know. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm, 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 you know, I'm covered in dirt and grease from laying on the garage floor and everything. And I get everything tightened up and there's tools all over the garage. Um, right. I, I, one thing I had to kind of customize was uh, the column mount to where it, it hangs from the dashboard. Yeah. Um, originally on the old Ford column, it had a bracket that was welded to the column and then it goes up against the, the dash. Mm -hmm. Well, in this case, um, because it's a universal column, there's no clamp mechanism. Uh -huh. and, and I'm looking at this and I'm like, I need to do a clean kind of clamp, but I didn't want it to be hokey and I wanted to get it done like now. Right. So uh, the fix there was that... Uh, the diameter of my original column was like two and a half inches, and this one I think is two and an eighth. So I took my cutoff wheel and just cut that clamp out of the old column, huh. and it wrapped right around the new one. You know, I put oh, a little piece right of rubber on. between there and then bolted it right up to where it belonged so you can never tell. Good uh, deal. So, so that was kind of a win. And uh, I got the steering wheel on, and I said, hey, let's go. You know, and she's like, is this thing ready? And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What could possibly go wrong? And it, it turns out that it is fantastic. It drives so much better. Really? N now, of course, I'm kicking myself for not doing this, you know, years ago, of course. Right. Uh, and I know Wayne would be proud because uh, I got this thing sure. done. But I'll tell you what, it, it steers nice and tight. Um, it's very, very precise. Uh, it's just the amount of lock-to-lock -lock turns for a big car, so it's real predictable. Good. You're not correcting it going down the road, and I didn't have to align it or anything. I mean, I just changed really? that, that hardware. Oh, yeah, sure. And, and then the uh, uh, the tilt column is phenomenal. It is just so much more comfortable, oh, and, and the smaller steering wheel is easier, so... It was a, a total home run. So, yes. I, uh, well, right on, man. I like hearing those these wind stories. Yeah, and there was a couple challenges along the way, but but overall, it uh, it really rocked. Good deal. Oh, man, it's got to be feel like you're driving a brand new car again, doesn't it? That aspect does, you know, and, sure. and you know how it is. Once you fix one thing, you're on to the next, and there's, there's right. other issues that this car needs to have addressed. Um, in fact, this, it's a Hydro Boost car, and I was lucky that when I did the uh, uh, steering box, 
it didn't have a big problem bleeding out the system. Sometimes they whine a lot. Okay. Um, this thing did, didn't didn't whine at all at all. You just you turn the wheel back and forth a few times to kind of purge the air out of it, mm-hmm. and uh, it's dead silent. So nice. I I think next is there's some the steering pump itself makes some noise um, because it's uh because it is what it is. Uh, so I'm gonna replace that with a, a better quality steering pump and and okay. you know but. At least I'm on to that next project. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, at least it's roadworthy and you feel safe driving it again. That's that's the important thing. Oh, yeah. It sucked yeah. before. It was bad. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, it, it was definitely something that you'd never fall asleep behind the wheel, you know, because you're oh. constantly going back and forth and <laughs> steering left and right and trying to keep the damn thing straight. Right. Um, right, right. So I'm going to do a little write-up um, on the website, probably, uh, and and the other thing is, you know, a lot of times I I, I want to just shoot the video install this whole thing, and I'm I'm kind of glad we didn't, because it would it would have taken five times longer, and it already took me, you know, four full weekend days to get this done. Mm-hmm. Um, so and it's in a cramped area where it's hard to see, you know, and it just mm-hmm. it wouldn't have made for good video. I but see. but I will gladly do a review of this um, in video. Because there are other uh, other full size car owners, and 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 I've read about people that have tried and and done the Borgeson swap, and have had some difficulties because of that firewall orientation, and they didn't really have metalworking skills to be able to make a new plate, or or modify the plate or whatnot, um, and they got discouraged. But they need to know that if they can work with somebody, or maybe I can give them some direction on what to do to fix that. Mm-hmm. the benefits of the steering box far, far, far outweigh that little challenge of, of doing mm-hmm. that metal work. So. Interesting. That's that's one of my items on my GTO. I want to get a, some faster steering on that. I remember that, you know, you're used to modern cars and how quick they steer and how tight they are. And the first time I ever drove this car, I, it felt like I had to turn the wheel like three times, three full rotations just to go around a corner. For, for crying out loud and it yeah. I wasn't well I wasn't really ready for that and uh yeah that, got, got my attention like what is going on here yes that that'll happen if you're not ready for it especially yeah. so that yours was a power steering car to start with yes um so I think that was like a 20 to 1 ratio or that sounds about right because I know they advertise a quick ratio 17 and a half to 1 which right. doesn't sound quick today. No, no. Um, but too fast isn't good either in these big cars. You know, it, it right. kind of gets a little tippy canoe going on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to overdo it. But uh, this one, I don't even know what the ratio is, but it's right on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to get like about, a, I think a 14 to 1 would be just right. It would still, it would still not be too quick to where, you know, just a, a simple correction will send me careening off into a different direction right and uh i'll be able to you know keep it straight and steady and still have it be responsive yeah i know guys who put the the 12 to 1 camaro box uh uh, in cars like that and they didn't like it so i I wouldn't go that far yeah 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 but in your case you know that delphi box is available and yeah uh, a lot of people do the um the jeep box right the uh yeah yeah from a jeep cherokee, cherokee. it's, it's, it's uh, pretty much a bolt-in the only difference is it it does have the metric uh uh fittings right on there and you if you wanted to use your 
your original power steering hoses, you'd have to get little adapters um, right, right. To, to, to mate up, up there. But I've heard a lot of people say a lot of really great things about that. It's a cheap box. Yep. And you, you can find a million of them in the junkyard. And you, you do have to get a different uh, rag joint as well. I think uh, you change it from like a S10 Chevy pickup. It yeah. would fit. And uh, do you have to change a pitman arm on that one or reposition it or anything? I don't remember. I don't think so. If that I, is the case, um, you know, your local parts store has a puller you can rent. Yeah. To pull that oh, yeah. and switch it. So. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I might have an extra set of them adapters if you need them. That's oh, uh, right on. They're AN fittings. Um, but you're going to want to do a hydro boost on that car eventually anyway. So yes, I am. Yes, you will. Cause that's yes, wonderful. This one's from Hydrotech, and it is now, I don't know, 12 years old, 10 years old. What year is this? I think it's 10 years old. We did this conversion and uh, right? it stops like day one. I mean, it's fantastic. That's nice. That's and nice. it stops, stops hard. So I like it. Well, I mean, my brakes, my whole brake system needs to be gone through because it's just, it's horrible. Um, so that's that's a, just another item on the list. Yes, yes. Hydro Boost is a fixer, though. Just keep that in mind. All right. Well, it's yeah. in mind. It's, yeah. <laughs> is it in? Is it in the budget? Is the next question? Yeah. Well, well, there's that. <laughs> One at a time, you know. So yeah. the the other interesting thing, though, uh, was that I got a second project done at the same time. Okay. Uh, while I was working on the Galaxy, and it's like sometimes you know you need to change directions for a few minutes. Um, sure. Did a carburetor upgrade on the Riv, on my right, se- right, uh, right, yeah, right, on my seventy Buick, and that one uh, kind of came out of left field. You're gonna think anyway, because I the car is all stock and it's got a quadrajet carburetor, and everybody knows that I really like quadrajet carburetors. And my problem right now, my frustration is that, and you're gonna have it too with your quadrajet, is that uh, they weren't built for today's fuels, and and there's right. two factors there. One is that you've got alcohol and you've got additives in today's mm-hmm. fuel that, that attack the rubber stuff, primarily the accelerator pumps. And I went through three sure. accelerator pumps on this one already, and I've had this wow. I've been driving this car for two years. Um, and I, I was getting a little bit sick of taking this carburetor apart and putting accelerator pumps in it because, you know, and I've been told that there is a, so, a source, there's a shop called Quadrajet Power that can get you the good ones. Um, uh-huh. but I've already done it three times. I was getting mad. But the other aspect that people aren't acknowledging that I think is a big deal is that the boiling point of fuel today is lower uh-huh. than it was in the sixties. That's, that's correct. Yeah. The alcohol, the ethanol does it to you. And, and not only that, just the refinery process of the other hydrocarbons that are in it. So if you get bored one day and you Google the boiling point of gasoline, it's going to tell you that the boiling point ranges, not not ranges, the boiling point is between 100 and 400 degrees. Right, (laughs) exactly. right? What? And and what they're trying to say is that there are so many compounds that make up gasoline, some of them boil at 100, some boil at higher, all the way up to 400. So all of it doesn't boil off at once, but some of it does. I got and, you. And, and I'm seeing more and more, and I've had more people talk to me recently about this. They get in their old car, they start it up, they drive down the street, they, they get it warm, they go for coffee or whatever. They get out of the car, they get back in, it doesn't start. Right. And what happened is all the fuel boiled out of the bowl. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they get the car hot enough, and there it goes. And and a quadrajet carburetor, as great as the design is, is made of a magnesium heavy pot metal that holds heat. It just doesn't let it go. I see. And I've got a cast iron intake manifold, and it's sitting in in all this heat, right? So for me, you know, I'm a car guy, and and we own a shop that fixes cars, and we pride ourselves on having cars that demonstrate good drivability and reliability. And Mm -hmm. now I go to my local sandwich shop with my Buick, and I get out and I go to start the car, and there's a bunch of people standing around. It cranks and cranks and cranks, you know, before it lights (laughs) off, right? And it's not because the the choke is out of tune or anything like that. It's just because of the nature of the beast. So I'm trying to think of, you know, what, what can I do here to, to fix this? And my car in particular, the 69 and 70 Rivieras are special because they have an electric fuel pump in the tank. Right. And they've got a switch on the side of the engine that does not turn the pump on until it sees at least six PSI of oil pressure. So when that fuel boils out of the carburetor, you got to crank the thing until you build up six pounds of oil pressure before it even turns the fuel pump on. Fuel pump on to fill that bowl back <laughs> right, up. Right, from oh, back to front. Okay. And that's a big car. So there's 20, yeah. 25 seconds of cranking going on. Yeah. So, you know, that, that was uncool. <laughs> that uh, was uncool. Right. That's the best way I can describe it. So I'm thinking, you know, I don't really want to put a Holly four barrel on this thing because uh-huh. – um, I just didn't want to. I, nothing right. against those carburetors. I like them, mm-hmm. but I just didn't want to do it. Okay. I would love to go fuel injection on the car, but I'm not ready to do that yet. Uh, that's uh-huh. that's a, a financial investment that I'm kind of putting off. And uh-huh. and I, I dig carburetors, uh, you know, ones that work well. So there's a little bit of a challenge factor mm-hmm. here because I, I kind of want to get an answer for all these other people out there that come to me at my shop and say, hey, you know, what can I do? Right. So... What I ended up getting was a, um, a street demon. And this is a demon carburetor, which is owned by Holly. Um, right. And it, if I understand the story correctly, it's, it, it's a little bit of a bummer. Barry Grant owned Barry Grant Carburation, which started the demon line. And, right. And his, his big advancement, his biggest advancement was this street demon carburetor. And unfortunately, he had to liquidate his company before he could release it. And, oh, and Holly no. bought the company and the rights to everything, and they released it. So poor Barry Grant gets to see this thing being sold. Mm-hmm. But he does get to see it come to life, and, and they've been selling them for many years now. Uh-huh. And it's an interesting carburetor. It's big. It's a big square thing, and it's all aluminum, first of all. So, so okay. there's your first step against the heat. Yeah, gets uh, the heat away. Yes. That's good. Because uh, aluminum does that remarkably. Sure. Uh, the next thing, um, we had, I had some personal experience uh, a couple years ago on VATV. Uh, John Moss, who was a fabricator that worked for us back then and who works for us again now, uh, we put a street demon on his Nova. And at the time, mm-hmm. Demon was running a commercial and a, uh, a newspaper or a magazine ad that said, this is a half an hour install and you're driving down the road in a half an hour. And uh, I called my my buddy at at Holly, and I said, "I remember that." Uh huh. Yeah. I said, "Are you sure? You know, you're advertising a half an hour." And they said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to try it?" And so so we did an episode on, "Is this truly? Can you truly do this in a half an hour?" 
So we did it on his car and it drove great. And he was, you know, on camera saying how great the throttle response is and everything else. And, but that's one of those things where you, you don't know as, as a viewer, you don't know if he's got great right. throttle response. You just see the guy pushing the gas down. He could be putting his head back on. Wow, look at that. You, know? <laughs> you, got, you got no idea. Uh, I mean, I trust him and everything, but so, um, but it was always in the back of my mind. So recently he came back to work for us and I said, Hey John, what, what's really the deal long-term with that demon carburetor? And he said, I love it, man. It's uh, it does everything it said it was supposed to do. He said, I never really had to tune it. Um, and it's great. So the aluminum, the internals are made with modern materials so that they, uh-huh. they stand up to the fuel. Um, the design of the whole carburetor is such that it's a giant bathtub and there's a gasket at the top plate, but there's no leak points below that. Okay, really? So quadrujets are notorious for letting the fuel get past those plugs yeah, and it goes right, down into the well intake. plugs, yeah, sure. Yeah, well, these doesn't, doesn't have that anymore. Huh. Um, so that's good, and 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 that allow it's an electric choke. Mine was a mechanical, and and this allows you to have the car sit for a, a week or a month, you know, and and when you go to light it off, there's still fuel in it because it that's didn't nice. didn't boil off and it didn't leak anywhere. It can't go anywhere. So mm. you know these are all very attractive uh, things. Yeah. The, the downside, that's a feature right there, it, it really is. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like they planned it. <laughs> uh, the downside is that it is a big square thing and there might be a clearance issue uh with an air cleaner if you got a drop base air cleaner and a low hood it won't be able to okay. drape down over the, the the carburetor so there's that and uh-huh. the other thing is that it's kind of a hybrid design a, a quadrajet has two small primary valves and then the two big secondaries uh-huh. a holly has four small Right. Equal the size, square bore, square bore right. design. Yeah. The Demon has what they call a goggle valve, and they've got really? two small primaries and a Siamese secondary, so it looks like a pair of goggles. Oh, but okay. It's, but it's one valve for the secondary. And um, in my case, uh, that was my hiccup because I end up uh, buying the carburetor, and I get it home, and I'm looking at this thing, and I, I watched some other videos of it online to make sure I was not forgetting anything. And I would have had this thing installed in less than 10 minutes, except for the fact that the goggle valve hit my intake manifold. Cause I have kind of a split plenum cast iron yeah, intake I was manifold. Just, I was just going to ask you how that goggle valve, if it interferes with the, uh, with the opening on the intake, is there any kind of adapter that you need? Well, it's a dual pattern carburetor, so it's got a bolt pattern for a holly or a spread bore like a quadrajet, and and they okay. actually they 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 package it with a plate, and the plate is designed to um, block off the larger quadrajet openings from a, okay. an air leak standpoint, but it doesn't do anything to raise it up if you have an interference, so. Huh. I was uh, a little forlorn at that point, you know, and I said, uh-huh. I was lucky that at, at our shop, I had a good old fashioned Holly to quadrajet aluminum adapter, you know, they bolt down to the manifold and bolt the carburetor to it. Right. And, and those, but I was a little bit nervous because that adds three quarters of an inch of height to this, oh. this carburetor. Right. And I need this thing sure. to close the hood. Um, but the, the other good thing there is that's one more piece of aluminum spacing off my intake right. manifold so yeah, i thought sucking yeah. off some heat there right so i yeah. put the adapter on 
got the demon to sit on it. My air cleaner fit perfectly and my hood closed. So boom. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I will say if anybody's interested in doing this swap, um, double check to make sure that you don't need that adapter bracket. You maybe just buy mm-hmm. one anyway, and then you can return it. So their advertisement is chances are this thing's set up for, they got a, a, a 650 and a 750 um, CFM versions. And I, I got a big block, so I went with the 750. I connected the electric sure. choke. I connected my fuel line. Uh, one thing I thought was interesting is nowhere in their their um, documentation does it mention a fuel filter. Really? Yeah, which I don't know if there's one internal to this day or not. So I ended up uh, just buying a, a parts store steel fuel inline fuel filter, and I plumbed that yeah. in. Not that clear plastic no, one. Oh, no. Buddy. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> buddy boy. Yeah, we've seen that lesson before. <laughs> yes, we have. So, uh Turned the key on it, and I knew my fuel pump had to uh, pump from back to front, and it lit right off. Mm-hmm. And I, I wow. this was last weekend, um, which as we're doing this today, it's, you know, four days ago. And I've driven the car probably, oh, I don't know, maybe 100 miles already, and I have not touched the mixture screws. What? I have not touched the idle speed screw. Huh. Um, the only thing I did adjust is you can... You can change the uh, secondary opening speed uh, real simply. There's a, a lock nut. You loosen the lock nut and you turn the screw left or right, and counterclockwise gives it a little more spring tension. And they opened okay. a little quickly when I first put it together, so I I slowed down the secondary opening. And okay. holy cats, does this car run good? Really, I, I am floored by how well yeah, <gasps> floored. Nice, uh, yeah. How about that? <laughs> uh, the, fir- <laughs> the first thing I notice is on a free rev, you just grab the you know throttle and, and wing the car. Right. Um, it'll squeal all the belts like instantly, and and the wow. quad jet didn't do that. And and I know my really? my Q jet wasn't perfect, and it's forty five years old and everything else, sure. forty seven years yeah. old. But uh, this thing is like, it it feels like I put cylinder heads on it. I mean, it, it was like, wham. Really? And uh, so then That's when I... killer. Yeah, when I drove it, um, did an unintentional burnout right away uh, because I, I didn't have hev- a heavy enough uh, return spring. And I like a light-feeling throttle. I don't like to have to fight a gas right. pedal down because, I, sure. you know, I drive my cars long distance if I can, and I don't want to mm-hmm. be all day with a sore calf. So right. I went with the lightest return spring I had, and it wasn't strong enough, so put my foot to the floor and, you know, did a quick burnout. I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> and I kind of drove out of my subdivision where I live, and I got onto the two-way, two-lane highway and uh, hammered down. And, and it bogged the first time. I, I Like I said, I adjusted the secondaries. And now the transition's perfect between primary and secondary. It makes tons of power. Nice. Um, oh, it, it man. Run, it runs great. And, and – uh, you know, my first thought was now I can really tell that it's like, yeah, these manifolds and this exhaust is choking this thing down. You know, whereas yeah, before it was sure. like, you know, that stuff didn't even matter. But now it's like, right. eh, I got airflow here. Yeah. So, uh, of course, now I'll probably blow up the motor because I'll be out hot riding <laughs> the thing. Uh, <laughs> but it was a, a great upgrade. So that the other test was I got, uh, I got some heat in the car. I went and shut it off. I went into my local sandwich shop. I came out. Turn the key, didn't have to touch the gas or nothing, boom, fired instantly. Wow. So who needs fuel injection? 
Well, Who needs fuel injection? Yeah, I mean, it's got those characteristics without having the fuel injection. Now, I, it's still a carburetor. You don't have infinite right. adjustment of of fuel delivery, mm-hmm. and it's not controlling timing True. or anything fancy like that. Mm-hmm. But it fixed that hot start situation. And this was a hot day. It was, you know, high mid, mid-90s, wow. um, you know, okay. and again, a cast iron motor. Yeah. And it didn't care. And uh, it also... Uh, uh, the choke action works real nice. It starts up in the morning with no problem, and um, it was it was another very successful upgrade. So I'm very happy with it. Sweet, good and, for you, man. And the other cool thing about their carburetor is they they redesigned the Venturi's as far as the fuel delivery. They call it the triple stack. It's actually a a squirter nozzle that's got three rings around it that that help mm-hmm. atomize fuel, and that's no doubt part of the reason why it hits so hard. Um, mm-hmm. when you get into it. So it's a performance carburetor all the way. It's not just a, you know, a stock replacement kind of thing. Cool. Um, so that, that's a good one. And, and now I'm, I'm very comfortable recommending that to customers who have this problem or people that just, you know, you know, in my case, I was curious. I wanted something a little bit different. I know how to do a Holly. I know how to rebuild a quadjet, but now I know, mm-hmm. you know, more experience with more stuff, the better is the way I look at it. And, yeah, and, sure. and I might still take my original Q jet and, and have it restored and put a modern compatible accelerator pump in it, you know, and maybe someday I put an aluminum intake on right. this thing and, and do that, um, uh, and kind of make it look the way uh-huh. it did new. But for now, I'm going to drive the heck out of this thing. <laughs> so. Booyah. Boom. Yeah. It is exactly what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. So drive that to the shop every day. Yep. Yep. And I don't know if I'm getting better fuel economy because my foot got a lot heavier. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're getting better fuel atomization. <clears throat> yes, I'm burning more fuel. I know that. Yes. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The other thing that I will do as a little tech note is on that throttle return spring, you got to make it heavy enough to close the blades all the way. Oh, yeah. And that's something I, th- I think some people overlook and they try to tune out. Because you'll you'll get an, I got a little inconsistency, so I would come up to a stoplight and it would be idling high, and you kind of kick okay. it down. You know, it's like what's going on with this thing? Uh, is it timing? Does it need to touch the fuel screws? And I just went out there and I physically leaned on the throttle linkage to, to the closed position, and it really didn't look like it moved at all. But my RPM uh, came back down, so just that tiny little amount uh, mattered. I see. So I was, you know, I'm I'm adding a little more spring daily to make sure that that that's my determiner of how much spring i need okay you, you know to go to, to full close on it so it was cool right on yeah very cool by golly you've been productive i have been it's kind of spooky and those uh-huh. uh those come in a phenolic like a plastic body also for the for the people that are racing uh-huh. or a little lighter weight and i think that's even a better heat transfer than the aluminum but so far so good well sweet yeah without a doubt I wish I wish I was that productive. <laughs> I told you you weren't ready, man. I got some Dude, stuff done. Dude, you make me feel so stinking lazy. Oh. Uh, well, no, it's like you said, it's not being lazy. It's just uh, I was home. You know, we've been traveling a lot. The the couple weekends ago, we were up in in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, for the Street Machine Summer Nationals. Oh, that's right. Yeah, tell uh, us about that. Uh, that was a great show. That was yeah, right? a great show. Yeah, there's there's over seven thousand cars. Dear I mean, God. it's huge, 
And there's uh, it's seven thousand cars in a in a great setting, um, because you know we've all seen images of giant giant car shows in a parking lot in July. You know where yeah. it's just like going to the mall, but it's old cars. <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's hot and it sucks. Um, uh-huh. But in this case, it's in the the state fairgrounds, so they've got this grid work of like little city street kind of things with plenty of grass and trees and shade and you can cruise the fairgrounds and it's just a really nice, nice setting. And one thing we noticed, everybody's super nice and, and the variety of cars was pretty extreme. You, you had hot rods and street rods, you had pro street cars, you had some pro touring cars, not, not a lot of them. Um, mm-hmm. There was a couple that were, that were pretty nice. We shot a, a video on a Mustang it's a, a 70 that, that a guy built with a full GT500 driveline in it, modern style with the supercharged 5.4. Oh, wow. And he took 2012 headlights and grill and molded them into this thing. Huh. Killer. I mean, like they were born there. Really? Uh, a lot of work to make that happen, yeah. I believe that. Um, so there's all that kind of stuff. Um, but an interesting attribute is, you know, every show needs financial support to happen so of course they sell booth space to vendors and and whatnot sure and some shows you'll go to where they have the manufacturers midway you know and it's all the trailers lined up (sighs) and you walk by right and you know sometimes you know that they're all over there so you might not even go that way because you want to see the cars Uh you know and, and tour around other times one one display is really cool and it takes all the steam away from the other ones or whatnot. Um, but in this case, the manufacturers were kind of scattered out throughout the whole thing. Oh, so okay. you'd be walking down or, or cruising if you had a car, you know, down the, the little thoroughfare there and there's car after car after car after car. And then all of a sudden here's uh, here's the speed tech trailer with you know their torque arm suspensions and you can meet blake foster and see all them and then next to it is more cars and then over there it's here's david coker from rocket racing and he's got his new wheel there and you know Uh a couple cars down and here's chris fessler and their flush glass and their new billet stuff and you know so that was a nice way to um i think it provided more attention to the vendors that were on display um, mm-hmm. and it made for a more interesting experience for the showgoers because it mixed it all up, you know? Yeah. So yeah, you kind of have them peppered all throughout the fairgrounds and yeah, it's just, it's just, Oh, here, here he is. And here's, right. some, here's some more cool cars. Oh, here's another guy. Exactly. So yeah, that's, that's a great, yeah, it's a great plan. It's a great setup. Uh, so they did a good job with that and, um, it, it was a great show. We had good, good weather. Sometimes it's real hot, but it, it's interesting to me going up there because the days are longer. Uh, it's it's closer to the North Pole. <laughs> so the, the sun sets later. So, uh-huh. you know, after that event closed, uh, Kelly and I went to uh, uh, out on the main drag uh, in town is a, um, a strip mall that has like a local car show every weekend. So all the locals were hanging out there. And, and it was oh. a whole nother crowd from, from what was in the fairgrounds. No kidding. And, and it was huh. cool because you had, you had like, it was a parking lot show. So you had like a, a right. contingent of street racers over on the one side with Mustangs <laughs> and Camaros. And then you had uh, uh, a bunch of lowriders, a whole big crowd of lowriders in the middle. 
And, Is that right? Yeah, Cadillacs and and a ton of '63 234 Impalas, and these things. You know, some are full hydro cars up on three wheels. You can basically walk under them, and mm. you know all the striping nice. and all that stuff. Yeah, and and I don't really, you know, that's not really my thing, but it's right. uh, it was cool to see, uh, you know, how they're building these cars and the, and the detail level that they're putting into them, and yeah, sure. it, and it was cool to see all these separate. Uh, uh, genres of the hobby um, getting along, you know, for lack mm-hmm. of a better term, because there was a bunch of like, uh, there were some pro street guys, there was some um, stock late model cars, then there was like the stock muscle car guys, and then there was some import guys and some bike guys, there was, there was import bikes and there was Harleys and, you know, and they were all kind of sticking to each other, but, but wandering through each other's displays. So, uh, I see. Yeah, it was fun. I gotcha. Yeah. That is cool, man. Oh, that sounds like a good show to try to hit sometime. I would recommend it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a good one. Right on. Right on. Yeah, lots, lots, oh, lots going on. So again, that's why I saw this opportunity yeah. to get this car going. It's like you know what? Because Kelly's like, this would be really fun if we could cruise our own car through here someday. what do you think about that Osti? yeah exactly that's exactly what you said (laughs) that's perfect just that little nudge you need that's right that's why she's a great partner oh yeah you know your friend wayne is probably pretty disappointed in you my friend wayne i can hear her saying that about me oh you know, oh, getting back yeah. to my buddy Wayne Cook, you know. Right, 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 right. You know, if Wayne were here, <laughs> like, all right, all right, without without nagging, no, gets not the at job all. done. <laughs> yes, yeah. gets the job done. Yes, that's the mark of a true professional, right there. A true without, manager, without a doubt. Jeez, you got all the stories. I got nothing this week. Yeah, I'm sorry. I haven't, if even, I, uh... I haven't even talked to my machinist at all. Well, I told you this is going to be a uniquely mundane episode, so that's why. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yeah. Well, when you when you do talk to the machinist, uh, you know, just let us know. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna. We'll have a whole episode dedicated just to that. Mm. Good that's, heavens! That '67 GTO project project is coming along oh, in yeah. our shop. Yeah, 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 yeah. What, uh, yeah. What's, uh, what's the latest on that? Uh, we just did. Uh, we got the frame media blasted and fixed all the body mounts and some rust holes and all that stuff. Did a bunch yeah. of metal work on that, and that's all done. And uh, it gets epoxied in a few days. And Gosh. that one is. Uh, so we're gonna build. You remember seeing cars in magazines where they would show like the whole chassis and it's finished, and they would do a photo yeah. shoot on it. You know, we're doing this car yeah. that way. Really? So we're going to build the whole rolling chassis, including the whole drive line and everything on the ground and then throw the body cool. on it later. So um, we're doing a full BMR suspension on that one, which should be cool. All bolt-on stuff, but tubular yeah. upgraded stuff. And uh, right uh, that one, the engine was rebuilt a million years ago. So the engine's good. We're just got to clean it up. Right. Um, but we're doing a, um, a Fitech fuel injection system on that one. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. So it will I'm look very interested in that fight tech. Yeah, a lot of people are. And again, yeah. it's our mission to uh to turn over all the rocks. And uh Fi Tech is is run by a guy named Ken Farrell, and I've known Ken for many, many years, and he's been through three different at least three different companies uh, uh, before he started Fitech. That were is that right. Yeah, and in uh, the last couple companies they weren't his. He he just worked you know, brought an idea to a manufacturer kind of thing, but he was always the cheerleader behind it. 
And, um, and he's always been a true believer in this integrated fuel injection stuff where the ECM is on the, on the unit mm-hmm. and as few wires as possible. And, and uh, Jeff Schwartz and I were talking at the, at the Minnesota show because he had his fresh uh, 67 Galaxy that he just fig- finished off which is a very cool car. It's a, um, it's an FE stroker 427 with a dual quad set up with the two, with two Fitex on it and a five speed. And Jeff let me drive that car. And, um, again, instantaneous response and, and just tons of power. And that thing made, I think he told me it put at that event last, you know, two weekends ago, it put, uh, 480 something to the wheels. Mm. from from a naturally aspirated That's nice yeah big block so he's wow. thinking 525 or something on motor yeah and you, yeah. Could, you could drive the thing every, yeah. all day long every day you know it's just yeah beautiful sure manners great manners um <clears throat> his throttle return spring i think was a little bit heavy and i don't know if it's because <laughs> it was a dual throttle bodies because oh, it was maybe. it was tricky for me to launch the car um, okay. cause I, I always, you know, it's funny people get behind the wheel of a, a stick shift car, you know, and they're revving it up and the, you know, they want to dump the clutch and go. And, and my right. first test is always, can I get this thing to move with no throttle? You know, that's always what I do. I want to, for whatever really? reason, yeah, my, my drivability test is as little input as possible. What does it take to get this thing moving? Okay. And, uh, because if it does that, it'll do anything, you know? And True. in his case, uh, it, it was it was tricky for me to get enough pressure on the throttle, and then it hit hard. It was like boom, you were on. So I was kind of jerking with it. Oh, he's wow. like, he's like, <laughs> you know, if you know Jeff Schwartz at all, he's like, uh, you need to drive it more aggressively. I'm like, uh, uh, <laughs> all right, you know. <laughs> all right, boss. So it was, <laughs> you know, and going through all the gears like crazy. You know? And that thing started making power at like four grand. And it's a it's an really? FE big block Ford, yeah, but aluminum heads, uh, a lot of bare robotic parts. I mean, it was it was nice. So I, I've had experience with the Fitech stuff uh, driving the cars. I haven't put one together mm. yet, uh, but if you look on YouTube and go back to SEMA, I think 2008, there was an interview I did with Ken uh, Farrell about the fuel injection system he was marketing at that time, and it kind of goes further from there up until the Fitech company he launched about two years ago. And it's good to see that uh, he's experiencing a lot of success, and, and yeah. it's going well. So, so we'll yeah. have that. I want to have this whole chassis running with the fuel injection, and everything as a roller. You know, that'd be sweet. And we'll be doing some video on that. So, it, yeah, about you guys are really working fast on that deal um, on that GTO. Yeah, the, the just the the pictures alone on the website. My gosh, there is really good detailed stuff. I think um, I think I mean, we're at about. 1400 pictures already wow and, and we're just getting going on this car so we really shot the heck out of it yeah. and part of the deal there was that initial documentation is critical to know what the car came right. with and to know how it fit the first time you know mm-hmm. well the, the picture count will probably taper off as it goes uh and, you know again towards the end it'll ramp back up again but sure um some of them you really got to photograph like crazy in the beginning for reference yeah uh, but that it's a cool car and then our uh, another really really awesome project that's kind of getting close to the home stretch right now is that '69 Corvette Roadster with the LS3 and the uh, T56 yeah. six-speed uh, Willwood brakes on that one, and and some Detroit speed stuff. Their wiper motor and their headlight motors. Uh, and right now we had to build a trans tunnel and 
and make a bunch of things to get that LS3 and the T56 to fit in that generation mm-hmm. Corvette. You don't see very many of them. You see five speeds all the time, but the six speed's huge. Right. So uh, that it fits and it's in. And um, now we're making some side pipes. So it's an LS header that needs to go into a side pipe. And our design is um, we're using four inch polished stainless tube and putting um, a muffler inside of them because the off the shelf stuff just doesn't work. Uh, So we're actually kind of making that stuff. So that'll be kind of neat. Uh, I'm real curious to hear what a, 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 it's a 485 horse LS3, hear what it sounds like through side pipes at full song in uh, a Corvette road. Right so, on. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want to hear that too. Love side pipes. They improve every car. <laughs> you should put some <laughs> on your GTO. Uh, you know what? You could be like Triple X. I thought about that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. A new theme is born. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah exactly oh no you'd be like triple zero (laughs) yeah pretty much pretty much oh yeah i could i could put some side pipes on there and some wild 70s graphic paint job on it oh that would be just sweet yeah just forget about that steering box exactly just pick the whole thing up straight Mm -hmm. axle you know yeah you'll get there oh man Uh that's it i'm making a list Our next show is going to be two weekends went by, and now look what I did. <laughs> look what I did, oh, Mister Fancy Pants. Take your and steering box say, and stick it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, it sounds like you got some real good stuff going on, uh, uh, going on in the shop. That's great stuff. I mean, yeah. that GTO project is really, of course, near and dear to my heart. Well, the great so. thing is, again, I, I can't say enough about our crew. These guys just make it happen every day, and it uh, doesn't matter what the challenge is. They'll, they'll figure it out, and it's always yeah. a, a very nice, high-quality level. When you see the pictures of that GTO chassis, you'll never be able to tell that it was repaired. You know, it's, Oh, man, it's, I can't wait. Yeah, it's nice. It's not like there's weld beads or, you know, uh, top side or bottom of those body mounts. It's, it's like it never happened. Nice and clean. Right and, and in fact, Matt, um, we have a guy named Matt Ellibrock who started with us a couple of months ago in the uh, body work and, and fabrication side, he brought kind of an interesting trick to doing those body mounts because a lot of people will just cut a square and drop it in and then drill a hole. And he actually curved it in such a way to make it integrate better with the original kind of curve because that body mount was stamped originally and then welded to the car so it's got a saddle ah. shape to it it's not perfectly flat with 90 degree corners and he, oh, ke- no he, he kept all that and it's it was neat i i looked huh. at it first and i'm like huh how come we just oh interesting <laughs> <You know? laughs> and unfortunately it's it didn't add any time to the project it's just a, a different way of thinking and cutting and welding but unless you knew you would never ever ever see that because it's not like it's on top of the hood it's it's a body mount right. underneath, but right. you'd never know. So it was cool. Huh. That is cool. Boy, they do good work. They do. Top to bottom. So Left I guess, right. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, I think we've, uh, um, I don't know how to use mundane Mon- as a verb. Mundaned our audience to death. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so maybe we get back to the trivia question because that's what they're all waiting for. You know, besides yes, besides exactly. the end of the show, that's what they're all waiting for. Yeah, I hear a collective uh, gasp now. Like, <laughs> oh, finally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
All right. So your question uh, to me was, what was the first? Did you say American or just first car maker? First, first Detroit automaker. Oh, Detroit. Yeah, yeah. To yeah. To to break the one horsepower per cubic inch barrier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, what engine did they use? And I said the two eighty three cubic inch Chevrolet from fifty seven with the power pack. From fifty seven. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. How close? Well, they, they they did do it with the fuel injection. Uh, with the what 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 was the name of that fuel injection? That was the again? the ramjet. Yes, the ramjet. Yes, you filthy animal. Uh, the, well, they did do it in '57 with the ramjet. However, Chrysler achieved that in 1956. Yes, with, with the fire the, dome. The 354 Hemi with the multi-carb setup, they made 355 horsepower. There you go. You were very close, my friend. Yeah, I was 365 days off. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things, what's 365 days? Yeah, yeah. Well, when you're 39 mm-hmm. or 49. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I lose on that one. I'm a gracious loser. Because that was a cool car, that Chrysler, and I, you know, I'm, again. Yeah, I'm, yeah, the 300, yeah, 300B it was in. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. Wow. Okay, so your question was uh, the GMC supercharger, right? Positive displacement supercharger, mm-hmm. known as the what I will call the 71 series. They had the the 271, mm-hmm. the 471, the 671. Mm-hmm. What do those numbers mean? And your answer was the it, it is some sort of ratio of mm-hmm. ambient air to compressed air so perhaps the first number is the amount of air coming in and the second number is the amount of air coming out mm-hmm. right right well unfortunately that is not right but very interesting yeah and i'm sure yeah well at least i made it interesting you did you did because i'm sure there's some kind of actual ratio for those um, mm-hmm. But what it what it really was is those those superchargers were designed for two stroke diesel engines, and uh-huh. the first number is the number of cylinders. So uh-huh. if it's a two seventy one, it's designed to go on a two cylinder two stroke diesel, and a four seventy one and a six seventy one. The six seventy one on a six cylinder. Wow. And the 71 meant that the amount of displacement that that supercharger would feed was um, a cylinder of 71 cubic inches. No kidding. So a 671, coincidentally, is designed to feed a 426 cubic inch engine. Really? Uh, albeit a diesel two-stroke, but that 671 supercharger depending on how fast you spin it, you know, can certainly provide sure. enough airflow for a 454 V8 or whatnot right. and bigger right. and bigger and bigger. And in fact, the aftermarket took it from, I think today the biggest thing you can get is a, a 1671. Wow. So, and, and basically the, the housing gets bigger and longer, right. you know, for the, the increased cylinder load. Mm-hmm. So, sure. you know, a lot of times on streetcars, you'll see a 1071 or an 871. Uh, but, but that's what that means. Well, by gosh, I'm, I left, I left this, uh, this broadcast smarter. How about that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, right on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're all the better for it. Yeah. Well, and, and we both. We both failed the trivia question, so we uh, <laughs> it was a zero sum game there. So right, neither right, one right. of us won or lost, I guess. Uh, mm. Yeah, yeah, we're we're to push. 
right it's a push all right my man well this was fun this was a good episode it was good to catch up yes yes indeed it was i appreciate it a lot of stuff happening and uh we got more more cool big news for the next one whenever we get to that hopefully sooner than later and uh we'd like to thank everybody for uh, for bearing with us on this show and listening um we've got the opportunity on the facebook page where you can leave comments uh and also on our website at v8radio.com if you heard something you like or you didn't like or you disagree with or you want to know about go ahead and post a comment and we'll uh, we'll get to that and uh, other ways to hear us uh, you can use the TuneIn radio app you can use the google play app and you can listen to us on itunes and we recommend you subscribe to all of them you know may- maybe you find out which one shows up in your mailbox first i don't know you can race them how about that (laughs) perfect perfect all right dude well until next time uh, i guess keep the shiny side up and uh, we will talk with you next time on v8 radio